0: Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Romans. If you are unfamiliar with your way around the Bible, that's quite all right. We are... Uh thrilled that you are here with us. Uh, There is the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament. New Testament begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and then there's the Acts, and then Romans. So Romans chapter 12, uh, we'll just be looking at two verses. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, and you you can find this reading on page 920 of that Bible. I've been thinking about what it means for us to be all in, what it means for you and us what, in life, what it means to be all in. I was reflecting on this and thinking I, I couldn't help but get past uh, my childhood and particularly uh, when we would go during the summers uh, to, to Steiner Youth Center. I'd go to Steiner Youth Center, I would go with my brother and my two sisters and my mom would take us, and um, there we would swim, They had that's where the community pool was, and um, every year then I would look up and there was the daunting, the, well, well the high dive, it was the high dive, that was a 12 foot high dive, and there, I don't know if you, this is the view from a, a high dive. Um, and once there was a line of kids, and there were always the really brave kids, and then there was me who would have to work up every summer the, um, the, the strength to be able to climb up those stairs, those metal stairs, and you're already wet, and the, the higher you get, the wind blows, and you start to feel, feel the chill of the air, and then you get on top of the thing, and then, and then you look down, da- well, you try not to look down. Um, but there's a line of kids that are following you up and there's one way at this point when you get on top of the board, there's one way down and it's not down the ladder, it's off the end and then you start to walk towards the end of it and it, it bounces a little and you're 12 feet, 12 feet in the air, which felt like a thousand feet in the air and until eventually you just kind of have to go for it and there you are. I remember seeing the lifeguards looking like tiny little ants, it felt like, as a elementary school person and then you hit the water and you realize i lived and uh and i'll die another day you reach a point and there's several decisions in life aren't there when you decide uh, what college you want to go to or when you decide what where you uh with, that you want to get married or when you decide that you want to have children where there you there's these moments in our lives where we have to be all in and so there is also for a follower of Jesus Christ when we come to putting our faith and trust in him but it's not merely that it's when we go all in with him but then there is the continued life of a follower of a disciple someone that it's this continued process of discipleship of being all in for Jesus and we're going to start an 8 week series when we look at eight characteristics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ you say well why would we do this series why would, why would we do something like this? Um, the Apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians, he says this, he, meaning Jesus, Jesus is the, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is what, this is what the Apostle Paul says. I want to, I am working with all of the energy that Christ gives me that I may present you as the Colossian church, fully mature in Christ. So why would we talk about discipleship? Why would we think about characteristics? In order that you as the church here may be presented mature in Jesus Christ that we may continue to grow in him and mature so that you may be able to mature, so that you may help other people mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ and being disciples. We're we're striving after maturity. These eight characteristics are not a checklist. They're not just a checklist where we go, okay, yep, got that one, I got that one, no. They're not a checklist for us. But rather you take your children or your grandchildren to the doctor when they're young then the doctor will tell you that there's a growth chart and there are certain characteristics that ought to be on display for these children as they mature and as they grow and there are certain signs we now have a middle schooler and there are certain things that happen in maturity during middle school um, that smell bad (laughs) because there's certain things that need to happen in order for growth to happen and as in our physical development, there's always those awkward moments. There's always difficult things. There's always things that there's, there's, a, there's a loss of childhood as you grow into the teenage years. And then there's a loss of the, f- the footloose and francie free of the teenage years as you grow into responsibility of adulthood because that's maturity. And so it is with our spiritual maturity. So it is for us to be able to say there are certain things that we ought to be able to see in each of our lives as we grow and as we deepen and as we help others grow and deepen their relationship with Jesus as we become followers of him. The goal is not a checklist to, be, to check off the boxes and the goal is not perfection for we'll never arrive there. The goal is progress that we will make progress together with one another, spurring one another on, encouraging one another on in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Christ is drawing you towards himself. He's working on you. He's making you into his likeness. This series is intended for us to be able to make growth and do it together. That's why we're going to be teaching on it. That's also why we have our connect groups where we're starting new groups and we're encouraging you to take the content of the sermon series and to talk about it in your connect groups and in your small groups in order that we can not, this isn't just something that we can just learn, but there is a community aspect to it where we can help one another forge these things into our living so that we can go and be more mature in Christ as a result of our studies together. These are our desires. So the first of these eight characteristics, I think to be very foundational for a follower of Jesus Christ, and that is a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus, is worshiping. They're a worshiper. We find it here in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it. Follow along with me if you can. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're talking about a worshiper or worshiping that if you are to be a disciple, if you're to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ, then a part of that, foundational to that, or maybe even encompassing all of that, is the idea of being a worshiper or of worshiping. And I, and I, want, to, I want to start by, with, by making a foundational statement, and that is this, that worship is for everyone. That worship is for everyone. For every single one of us in this room, for all of the people that are not in this room, worship is for everyone. Everyone... Every person is adoring something. Every every single person that you ever walk by on the street is adoring something. Adoration means to adore or to worship or to give the highest devotion to or praise, to love something or someone. And everyone adores. Later on this afternoon... There will be people who will be adoring. They will don their purple and they will don their face paint and they will will cheer on their team and they will gather around their TVs and they will gather their friends who also think like them and they will be worshiping and they will be adoring and they will be bowing down to the Vikings. And that's fun and that's great, but everyone adores... Whether it's a sports team or whether it's a hobby or whether it's God, everyone is adoring. Everybody has something that is at the core that motivates them and drives them in their living. Everyone does. That contends for their attention and for their resources and for their affections. Everyone has it. That something that helps them have an anchor in their lives and gives them meaning. Something that we're adoring, something that we're worshiping who or what we worship, who or what we worship provides for us the ultimate meaning in our life. And everyone, everyone is doing it. At this very moment, at this very moment, everyone is at worship in some way or another. Maybe consciously or unconsciously. Maybe formally like we are or informally. Maybe passively or passionately. But everyone is at worship because God created that all of us would worship and we would worship him not intermittently, but God created us that we might worship him continuously, that we might always be worshiping him in all of our lives. We were created to live worshipfully, not just at certain times or on certain days, but always be worshiping him. That's certainly how Jesus lived, right? Jesus lived, and he lived a life of worship. He was always had his father's interest in mind. He was always obeying his father. He was always doing the will of his father. He was continually at worship with his heavenly father. That was the life of Jesus. He was continually at worship. Harold Best was a professor at Wheaton College. He has also written a few books on worship, and he says this, We were created as naturally we were created as naturally to honor, to adore, to submit to, to depend on, to fellowship with our maker as we were to breathe in and out, not once in seven days, but continuously. This is how we were made, and it was natural for us. This, is, this was the desire that we had. That's what Adam and Eve had in the garden as they walked with God, There was this continual relationship in the presence of God until they were deceived and until they turned their heads away from God and sinned, and sin entered the world. And then there was this divide, and then there was this brokenness that happened between humanity and God. And yet somehow, well, Harold Best continues, somehow in the mystery and chaos of the fall, when that happened, when sin entered the world, The urge to worship was kept alive and active. We can thus be dead to God, but kept alive as worshipers. We simply exchange gods, but persist in bowing down before them. Because of the fall. We, we still are able to worship. We still are, have this innate desire to be worshipers, to bow down to something, to find our significance, value, and self-worth at the very core. We've just exchanged the truth of Almighty God for created things or for others. That's, that's what he says. Everyone worships. Right now, everyone is worshiping, whether they realize it or not. Everyone is at worship. So thus we think that somehow talking about worship is just for religious people. Let us understand that this is a, this is a subject for which all people must give attention to. Because every single person is a worshiper. Well, then what is distinct about Christian worship? What makes what we're doing here and what we do in our lives as people who believe in the Bible, what makes this different we have a tendency to think that uh, worship is what we do in this room when we sing songs or when we pray prayers or when we do particulars, we open up a, a sacred text. No, not according to the Bible. It's much more, that's, that's too narrow of an understanding. Our understanding of worship as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus must be much more robust than that because worship is all of life. Worship is all of life. As we do this, as we look through this, these, these couple of verses, I want to give us four A's that I think will help us understand Christian worship. Uh, four words that begin with A, just in case you're wondering, um, to be clear. He says, therefore, this is Paul writing to Romans, this is our passage, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The first is this, Adoration. Our wor- a life of worship, a whole life of worship, begins with adoration. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. For the Christian, our adoration is focused on the God of the Bible. That's, that's who our adoration is focused in on. That's who we worship. That's who is the one from whom we gain all of our significance, value, and self-worth. From the God that is, that is in the Bible, that we that is revealed in the text of the Bible in view of God's mercy. Mercy is probably not a word that you use very often. I remember as a child, and I guess I'm just reflecting back on my childhood for, for nostalgic reasons this day, but I remember playing the game Mercy. Did you ever play Mercy? I would play it with my brother, with my neighbors, where you, cl- you clasp hands like this and you just squeeze as hard as you can and twist and manipulate and mutilate the other person's flesh until one of you cries out, Mercy! <laughs> and then, then you're supposed to let go, but they usually get in another squeeze or whatever else. I usually dominated, um, which should come as no surprise. I don't know that that's true. It's just how I remember it. But we wrestle with life, with our sin. We bow down to other gods. We seek to live a good enough life that somehow people might think well of us and maybe even we would live well enough that God would be somehow pleased with us and we're wrestling and we're doing this with the realities and the struggles of our lives and yet somehow our life always seems to win and we find ourselves at some point crying out for mercy. And God in his grace and in his mercy and in his kindness sent Jesus Christ who would Stand in our place and instead of treating us as our sins deserve says you don't you, you can't struggle enough I have come and I have overcome the world I have overcome the challenges of your life in view of God's mercy God's mercy is that we once worshipped wrongly we once worship created things rather than creator God, and yet God sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, and he died on the cross to bear the burden that our, the punishment that our sins deserved, and he rose again conquering sin and death and hell, and he did it for you in order that you might be restored to an almighty God instead of being separated from him. This is God's mercy to us, and in view of God's mercy, because of what he has Done for us. He says we adore and we worship in full view. If we are going to be all of life worshipers, it begins by understanding the mercy of God that He has done for us. That you can stop your striving because He has done it in your place. It begins there. It doesn't stop there, but it begins there. Adoration. Second is action. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because of God's mercy, we adore him, and then we, are, we, we spring into action, as it were. We offer our bodies. Our worship before God is not something that happens to you. You're not a bystander. A worship of God is active. It's something that we must actively pursue. It's something that we have to offer him, that we say we are now going to, because of your mercy and because of your grace, I will now offer my body. I will now offer my heart. I will now offer my thinking. I will now offer my life to you. This is the worship of a Christian, and it's all of our lives. It's the whole of our life that we are bringing to him. It is an active work. We who are we're actively seeking to align our actions and our words and our attitudes and our efforts with the source from whom we find our ultimate meaning. That's what worship is. That's what a life of worship is. And for those of us who find ourselves not worshiping God, not aligning ourselves, there are people that have, that have aligned all of it. So, so those for whom they find, we'll just take the Vikings, they, they buy the season tickets. They they buy all the gear. They, pay, they, they, they paint their faces. They make sure that they're there and they're home for all of the games. What is that? They're aligning their words and their actions and their attitudes and their company with what? With what would they find their greatest value? What we worship is what our resources effort, effortlessly flow towards when we do these things. But for the Christian, it is when we align our actions we give all that we give ourselves over to actively seeking to align our words and attitudes and efforts to Christ to him so for worship it is it begins with adoration and then there is an action that we take of saying that I will give myself all of myself to him and then thirdly there's an authenticity to it he says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We were all, at one point, conformed to the thinking of that which we adored. We all, at some point, were conformed to the likeness of this world. Our time, our energy, money, and thinking effortlessly flowed to the things of this world. But now... We're no longer to... we were to think differently about those things, about our jobs, about our families, about our lives. We're to think differently because, not all, because everything not ultimately flows from there because I don't actually find my significance and value from there. I actually find it in Christ, in his mercy and all that he has done for me. Several so years back, I... I um, heard a story of a man who was very successful in business over the course of years. And then he came, because of an invitation of a friend, he ended up coming to church, and he ended up coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And in a short while after he came to faith in Christ, then he wanted to follow, he wanted to be baptized, because once you've come to faith in Christ, then there's the public declaration of your commitment to Jesus Christ in baptism. It's all through the Bible. And so he did in front of the church. And so this particular day, he comes to get baptized in front of the church and he shows up, and he walks out to be baptized um, in a full three-piece suit, pinstripe three-piece suit, tie, cufflinks, Rolex watch, Italian designer, Italian leather shoes. And he goes and he starts, he walks down into the water, fully dressed, walks down into the water. And he says, this was who I was. This, was where, this is what I worship. This is what I live for. And I was good at it. And then I met Jesus Christ. And all of these things have faded away because now he is the one for whom my life is pointed towards. And so down into the water went the Rolex and down into the water went the Italian suit and the Italian shoes. And up came a man washed in Christ. You see, that's what Jesus does. That's worship. That's an act of worship for him. That all of our lives, that there is an authenticity that comes with those who are no longer allowing the things of this world to be the predominant thing that motivates and drives them, but it is Christ. And there is an alignment that must happen for the Christian, for you and for me. That where we are aligning our thinking, our actions, our attitudes, and our values now align with Christ instead of aligning with all these other things. There has to be a transparency and an authenticity to it. Friends, listen to me your neighbors and your friends who are far from God are not interested in church would never come to a place such as this want to see you be a real Christian they want to see they want to see what Christianity really looks like and so there's an the worship all of life worship of the Christian is that we align there's an authenticity to our faith we don't just talk about it but we live these things out not perfectly but progressively in each of our lives They want to. They want to wonder, what would my life look like if I believed what they believe? I don't believe what they believe, but what would my my life look like if I actually decided to be a Christian? They need to know, and how else are they gonna know except for the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ who are authentically living out their faith right in front of them. This is what we're called to. This is worship. There's adoration. There's action. There's authenticity. And finally, there's authority. There's authority. He says, by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is an authority to the worship and that is Jesus. That as we Adore him for his mercy. And as we take action in in giving our lives as a sacrifice to him, and as we are authentic and aligning all of the areas of our lives towards him, then what we're able to see, what we're able to discover, is that we're finding ourselves underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we are continually aligning our lives. So for the Christian, we will always come back to, what, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus do? Why? Why, we, why do all this talk about Jesus? Because he's our authority. Because we are disciple, We are a follower of Jesus. We are Christ, Christians, Christ ones. We're followers of Christ. He is our authority. He is the one that we worship. He is the one that we align our lives towards. So when we look at the Bible and at the life and the actions and teachings of Jesus, it is because he is our ultimate authority. And then we can know how we ought to live out our lives. Whereas the song that we sometimes sing, we say say, the the, the the request of the song is to break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause, that we may be our hearts may be broken for the things that break the heart of Christ, that we may live in the way that is authentic, the way that He is, and that's why Christ is at our center. You say, well, that's all well and good, but what what about this whole going to church thing? Isn't that worship? Isn't something, doesn't this have something to do with worship? Well, of course it does because there is the all-of-life worship and then there is the worship that is all together, the gathering of God's people. It is the coming together of the people of God. The life of a worshiper requires the individual reflection on all that God has done but it also requires the community of God's people collectively coming together to give praise to who God is and all that he has done. So we gather together and we sing and we praise and we pray and we preach and we encourage one another on. The gathered worship is experience is significant in the life of the Christian and us gathering together is significant in the life of the church. And when we gather together in this way, this is my hope and my desire for when we gather and when you come and participate in our Sunday gatherings. My, our Sunday gatherings are here in order to inspire and to instruct the Monday through Saturday worship. Do you hear that? I I have a tendency to think that people think that you come here and it's about here and it's about Sunday. It's not about Sunday. Sunday's about Monday through Saturday. That's why we're here. Like this isn't about being here. You're here in order that you can go out there because that's worship and it's all of life is out there. And that's where you spend most of your time. And that's where the people who are far from God are. And they need to see you. And it's you come here in order to be reminded of who God is. This is where you find your calibration. This is where you find true north. And then you go out there. That's why we exist here. You don't come here just to make this exist. No, this exists so that that exists. You see, that's the way church works. That's why we gather, to be reminded, because Monday is coming. And some of you will go into deep depression because you go, oh, here it is, Sunday night. Love Sunday morning, hate Sunday nights. No, we gather together in order that we might be able... To, to remind ourselves that we might be about the people who are also on the journey not perfectly but progressively learning what it is to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ together in order that we might be able to go out and worship him all throughout our lives in order that other people who are far from God might be able to say oh that's what it might look like if I were a worshiper of Jesus that's why we exist but it takes a decision on our part on your part to be all in so the question is well are you all in for Jesus have you ever been all in for Jesus it may be that you've never ever considered that you just thought coming to church was about religious activity it's not it's about saying I'm going to worship and worship only God I'm going to worship Christ and Christ alone he is the only one that I will worship have you ever made that decision and if not then why not today why not now Just say to him, I want to be all in with you, Jesus. I'm not sure what all of that means, but I want to be all in with you. For some of you, you've been on the journey with Jesus for a long time, and maybe you need to re-up. You see, we're gonna come to the table. And Jesus said, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new covenant, the promise a promise that through Jesus' work, through his perfect life, his death, and his glorious resurrection, that we can have relationship, restored relationship with God. And every time we come to the table, every time we come to this, then we are renewing the covenant by participating. We're we're renewing our vow. And I thought there's no better way for us to begin this sermon series called All In than for you to have an opportunity to renew your vow to Christ. To be able to walk forward and to receive the elements of the bread and the cup in order to say, Jesus, I am all in with you. If you're not all in with Jesus, that's fine. You can remain seated. Know that we want you to. Know that there's no better, no better option for you than to be all in with Christ. And yet, we want you to have the opportunity. That's a decision that you need to make between you and the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're willing to continue to go on this journey with us, then I invite you to come forward and to receive these elements. Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity to again set true north, to be recalibrated on Christ and who he is and all that he has done for us. And as we come to the table and renew our vow, as it were, renew the vow of, of of being of discipleship of being a follower after Jesus of being a worshiper we ask that you will help us to do so in spirit and in truth that as honest as we can be with ourselves we're again renewing our vow to you because of your mercy that you put on display for us through Christ will you help us to do that please um, with authenticity and with integrity and for your glory in the name of Jesus we pray amen for the privilege of these people who get to serve you and get to see your faces and to be to say the body of Christ that was for you the blood of Christ that was for you all of us undeserving all recipients of his mercy and grace to now to be able to say we want to be again renewing our vows as tenderly and as passionately as humbly And as boldly as we can to say to Christ, we're all in. We're all in. Whatever the journey goes, whatever it looks like, we're all in with you, Jesus. For there is no other way. There is no better way than to be with you. Let us eat and drink in commitment again to Christ. Father, we thank you that in these moments that we can be reminded of our unworthiness and your great worthiness that in these moments we can be reminded of how much we need you and how much we need one another and so will you again in these moments will you allow this symbolic gesture to not just be symbolic but to begin reaffirm in each of our hearts what it means to be all in for Christ and will you continue to hear the praises of your people. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.